In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. How do we know if we're prepared for a journey? Over the past week, Father Michael has invited us to this journey of the season of Lent. Last Sunday, here in this place, we were extended an invitation to open our hearts to receive the transformation of God in our lives. And on Ash Wednesday, that act of opening our hearts to transformation was given a focus, that we are to make this our journey to compassion. So how do we know if we're prepared for the journey? Journeys have been on my mind a lot this week. My husband was packing his bags earlier in the week for his journey to the country of Haiti, where he's leading for the first time a mission trip there. He was trying to figure out, okay, what do I need to do to prepare for this journey? He knew that he needed to make sure his shots were up to date, that he'd take his malaria medications on time, and then he had the list of things he needed, snacks for the kids, and, um, and the right clothes for the job, and the bug spray. And then finally, he just threw his hands up and he said, ultimately, I just have to trust that God is going to lead me through this. How do we prepare for the journey? We have the scriptures this week that give us an example of how those before us have prepared for a spiritual journey. In the book of Deuteronomy, Moses and the Israelites are in the middle, nearing the end actually, of this 40-year journey, but they don't know when it's going to end, and they don't know where they're going to end up, but they have hope. They have trust that God will lead them to the land flowing with milk and honey, will lead them to the promised land. At this point, 30-some-odd years in, trust in God was the only thing they had left. And then you had Jesus in the gospel today, preparing to embark on his 40-day fast, a journey of testing, temptation, and trial in the desert. Trust was the only thing that Jesus took with him into the desert. Moses and the Israelites, Jesus, those people who went before us on journeys, they have that one thing in common, trust. That belief in a God in whom we trust, it's so deeply ingrained in our subconscious that I can be willing to bet that almost every single person in this room is able to present right now out of their pocket, their wallet, or their purse something that ex expresses a trust in God. Can you show it to me? <laughs> in God we trust. It's on your quarter engraved, it's on your bills inscribed. In God we trust. There's something deeply rooted in us that we can trust in God. Our psalm reflects that same sense of trust, those first two lines of Psalm 91. You who dwell in the shelter of the Lord, who abide in his shadow for life, say to the Lord, my refuge, my God, my rock, in whom I trust. 
when we embark on a journey like this one, our journey of transformation, our journey to compassion, trust in God is both essential and it's the thing that we so often forget, the thing that we take for granted. What about God do you trust? In what about God do you trust? In what do you feel confident of God's support? I, you all received when you came in a note card. Pull that note card out in that pencil. If you didn't, who didn't receive a note card? Good job, ushers. <laughs> Raise your hand if you didn't receive a note card. I want to share with you an exercise a seminary professor named David Luce shared with me. And I invite you to participate in it. And on the front of that card, I want you to write, what is the one thing that is important for you that you feel confident that God is supporting you? Take some time and, and think about it. Write it down. Maybe it's a sense of security in your job or your home, the love of a friend or a family member. Maybe it's your relationship with God. Do you trust in this? Where have you trusted that God is with you? Where are you confident that God supports you? It shouldn't be something that's a given, like the sun going down tonight and coming up in the morning. It should be something that matters, something that maybe you worry about a little bit, something you have to daily place your trust in God to provide. So label that side of your card, trust. the thing in which you place your trust in God. And if you can't think of anything, just write trust. Hold on to that card for a little bit and know that you are a person who is capable of trusting in God. When Jesus went into the wilderness, to be tempted, he went equipped. He Had he written some of the things down like you all wrote, his trust card, here are some of the things that Jesus may have written. I trust that my needs will be met, even without food, as I fast. I trust that serving my Father is enough to have me face all of the trials that are in my way. I trust in God's reliability above everything else. That's maybe what Jesus' short-form note card would have looked like. Jesus entered this journey of transformation, this journey to compassion, this journey that ultimately led him to death, but also to new life in the resurrection, filled with trust. The devil tempted him multiple times, tried to get Jesus to respond to God out of mistrust, and over and over again, Jesus replied using the words of scripture. And at the heart of that reply was this deep-seated, total, complete trust in God. Jesus trusted God with his identity. Jesus trusted God with his future. 
So it's so interesting to look back on the events that led Jesus into the wilderness, that brought him to the journey. If you look in the Gospel of Luke, you're welcome to look in your Bibles if you'd like, but in the third chapter of Luke, the two sets of scripture that come immediately before Jesus being sent into the wilderness are really interesting, and they set the stage for the temptation. Father Michael's alluded to it over the past few weeks. What happened to Jesus right before he went into the wilderness? Does anybody remember what happened to Jesus? He, he was baptized. He received the baptism of John. And the, the dove descends upon him. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He has a sense of who he is because there's a voice that comes from heaven and says, you are my beloved. You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. And then, in the strangest place, right after Jesus is baptized, right before he goes into the desert, there's a genealogy. Why in the world do we need to know from where Jesus came at this point in the story? So there it is. And it starts that Jesus is the son of Joseph, and Joseph is the son of Mathot, and Mathot is the son of, who is it? <laughs> Healy. And I got those two mixed up, but whatever, because it goes on and on for 77 generations, all the way back to Adam, the son of God. When most of us think of temptation, the roots of temptation in our faith, what do we think about? Adam and Eve, the fall of creation. And we can go back to the third chapter of Genesis, and there it is. Adam and Eve have a wilderness too, and that wilderness is a beautiful garden. It's a garden that's filled with abundant things, and if Adam and Eve had a note card labeled trust, well, they'd need a whole note card file because this was all about a trusting, abiding relationship with God. But there was that one tree in the middle of the garden. That one tree, God said, we trust each other. Don't eat from that tree. If you eat from that tree, you will die. And along comes who? The serpent. The serpent who distorts the commandment of God plays upon the insecurities of Adam and Eve. So, God didn't tell you everything about that forbidden fruit? Hmm. What else hasn't God told you? Do you really think you can trust a creator who hasn't told you the whole story? Jesus' ancestors, Adam and Eve, succumb to the temptation. And that temptation had next to nothing to do with a power grab or anything like that. It had almost everything to do with insecurity and mistrust. Turn your card over. What's the one thing that you find difficult to trust God about today? 
could be a relationship. Maybe it's something going on at school or job. Maybe you have no idea what the next days of your life, the next months or years are going to hold. Perhaps you don't trust someone in authority. Or you're facing something day after day and you is chipping away at your trust. Write that thing down. And label that side of your card mistrust. Now take a look at the card, both sides of it. Why is it easier to trust God with one thing more than another? What makes that challenging one different than that area of abiding trust? Are they different? And if they're not really that different, then maybe you can trust in God a little bit more than you thought. I invite you to either take this card with you today or put it in the offering plate at communion. If you want to take it with you, then I urge you to carry it with you, like you do your dollar bills that say, in God we trust. And pull it out of your pocket once or maybe a few times a day and look at it and use it as your prayer tool. Say thank you for that trust side of the card. And then that mistrust side of the card, offer that up in prayer to God. And if you put it into the offering plate, that means that you are asking for prayers on these matters. You need help in praying about these things. You can put your name on it or you can leave it anonymous, but either way, I'll get those cards and I promise that I will pray with you about those things. Whatever you decide to do with your card, I invite you to email me throughout the season of Lent and let me know how this exercise is going. That area of trust that you identified, that reflects in you the compassionate heart of God. That area of mistrust, that is the area our compassionate God longs to transform. Trust is at the heart of our relationship with God, the heart of our relationships with one another, and trust is not always easy. It's usually when trust is lacking that temptation lurks around the corner. It's for this reason that we come together every week. We come together to grow in our ability to trust. We believe that when we receive communion each week, we are receiving a great mystery that is transforming our very being by the mystery of the compassionate God. And that great mystery is ever transforming us, building our trust. This is the ultimate trust-building activity, everybody. On our journey this Lent, we need each other's support and the experience of a compassionate God in order to develop 
the trust we need to be more compassionate people. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit in his baptism before he journeyed on those 40 days. And that Holy Spirit gave him everything he needed to trust. This is the place where we receive the Holy Spirit, that which gives us everything we need to trust. It's here we'll be renewed by the Spirit and fellowship and sustained and grow in compassion and trust on these 40 days of Lent. Amen.